0: The college baseball experience on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate the summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. All right, all ready. Welcome back to the College Baseball Experience. I'm your host, Noah Bienick, a.k.a. 77, and I'm coming at you live here, midnight Eastern, going into Tuesday here, June 20th, and I'm joined by a special guest today, Bet Karma's very own Johnny Venezia. Johnny V, a.k.a. on Twitter, as he goes by. How are you doing tonight?
1: Good, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a little little hoarse here after
0: uh, all the yelling at the Wake Forest game. (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. I, I mean, I know kind of uh, what you're sweating out here and we'll get to that in a little bit for the listeners. First off, man, uh, the, the top thing that I wanted to talk about with you is on Twitter, you've been tweeting a lot about MLB prospects and it's getting to that time of the year where, you know, that's the hot topic. And I wanted to talk about a couple of things with you. One, um, you have a, a, an interesting take on how the top of the order could go here, and I want to hear that. And also start with a couple of prospects that we're we'll, we're seeing right now in Omaha that you think their draft stock is improving right now.
1: Um, yeah. So first of all, I think for the top three, you know, Dylan Cruz has been the number one consensus pick all year in the preseason, even, and you know, understandable. He, he is the best college baseball player, I think, ever. And I, I don't take that lightly. I mean, the kid is, is going to be a superstar at the next level. He's going to win a batting title. He's going to get a gold glove. He's probably going to win an MVP. Um, he's, he's the face of a franchise. And when you take a guy like that, not only do you have a, a really high ceiling, but you have a high floor, and I would expect him to move up through the ranks really quickly. So he's a guy who can make an impact almost right away. That's one. That's one. Two, obviously you have Paul Skeens. This is a guy who nobody knew about before he transferred to LSU. He was a good pitcher on Air Force, started against Texas in the regionals last year. Um, He was good. But this guy's picked up five to seven miles an hour on his fastball in over a year, added 11 pounds. I'm not trying to say anything disparaging, but I mean, I've never seen that from anybody at any level major league major league ball players a lot of these guys are still not developed when they get to the major leagues at least physically and they don't pick up anything more than maybe three miles an hour so i mean the fact is this guy was probably not even going to be a first rounder if he hasn't if he hadn't transferred um i'm not taking anything away from him he's been he's put together probably the best college season as a pitcher yeah. in the history better than Trasberg um and I, I've been saying it all year. And, like, of course, now it's becoming a thing because we're in Omaha. It's about <laughs> that time for the draft around the corner. And a lot of people are just like, oh, my God, Skeens is so good. Like, most of these people didn't know who Paul Skeens was five minutes ago. They never saw him pitch. But Like, if if you followed all year and saw him pitch, like, I, I've been on record several times on different podcasts saying, like, Paul Skeens is probably going to go one or two, maybe three by some miracle. I said I don't. I don't see him not being on an opening day roster in 2024. And it's
0: I tough to imagine right now the way he's. Yeah,
1: I, I. I said I was like, Paul Skeens is going to skip the minors. He's going to. He'll, he'll play summer ball maybe, and then he'll be on an open day roster in 2024. And when I saw the the possibility down the stretch that how the Pirates have been relatively good and they're in the mix, and if Skeens goes number one, I was like, dude. They might just say, "Yeah, we're gonna call you up," and <laughs> uh, waste no time. Yeah. I, and I, I meant that, and I, I said it all along. Now, like you got ESPN saying that, and you got all these outlets that like don't co- follow college baseball and cover it, and they're saying that. And me personally, I will go the pitcher number one because Skeens is a generational prospect, and I think you have two. I think I think Chase Dollanders uh, uh, is right there with Skeens. He hasn't reflected it this year, but. If you if you followed it, what Skeens is doing and the hype he's getting, that's what Dolly was getting coming into the year. This is the kind of year that they expected from the Tennessee ace. Hasn't lived up to it. Fair. But, I mean, you know, this is also a kid who hasn't even come close to filling out his body. And thinking about it, he's going to add in two, three miles an hour more on his fastball once he's, like, physically developed. He'll be sitting at 98-99. Um, that being said, though, the guy that I – have just been in love with since last year. It's Wyatt Langford. How many times have I said it before, before now people have, have have like gotten on the train and I'm not trying to be arrogant, but it just like annoys me of like, people just want (laughs) to jump in five minutes ago and start talking about this stuff when like people like us have been saying this all year because we follow the sport aggressively. We put in the time, we watch all these games. We do these podcasts every single week. So Wyatt Langford to me, and I, I probably said this in, in early March, I believe he's this generation's Mike Trout. I think this kid is going gonna, is gonna to have a Mike Trout-like career. I think he's capable of it. And I, I think for that reason, he's definitely a fair shot to go ahead of Dylan Cruz. Because while those two are, are primarily the same player, at least at this level, Langford to me at the pro level, profiles a guy with a, a higher ceiling because of the power. Cruz is a guy I think would be like 20, 25 home runs in the pros, which is good, especially when yeah. you think he's probably going to hit 315. But I think Langford could be a 35, 40 home run guy. Like yeah. I just, Langford hit 26 home runs last year, basically as a freshman. It was his sophomore year, but he, he didn't play as a freshman at Florida, and he hit 26 home runs. Yeah. And like this year, he he was hurt, so he didn't play the full amount of games. So his power numbers are a bit down because of it. But I, I think Langford. I think Langford's going to be the best player out of this draft and out of the position players. I just, you look at this kid, he looks like Mike Trout and you know, the fact is here, I think him going one became a lot more realistic about a month ago when he was started to really heat up down the stretch. And the reason why I think that forget the talent, forget who you think is going to be better. One of the big things I have to credit Ben McDonald at ESPN who was an all-time pitcher at LSU. And one of the things he brought up that I didn't think about off the bat, Cruz is represented by Scott Boris. Scott Boris obviously is known to get a lot of money for his clients. Yeah, you're right. The fact is he's probably going to ask for an astronomical number. Dylan Cruz's slot value is probably going to be off the charts to go number one. Now, are the Pirates going to want to pay that? That's the thing. And, you know, we don't know where they're going to go. They've because, historically,
0: they've underslotted at number one, 2021, Henry Davis.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, like, if they don't go the pitcher because they want to get an outfielder, they want to pair somebody with O'Neill Cruz, you know, I and they don't want to pay Dylan. I mean, who are you going to go? You got to go Langford. I'm not for taking a high school player. I don't care how good Max Clark is, how good Walker Jenkins is. These guys are high school guys. And I understand you want them younger, but – you have a guy who's been a dog in the yeah. best league and the best farm system in in baseball, in the SEC, and they've produced and- at an astronomical level. So I, I just, to me, I, I think that's the, you know, that's the possibility. So for me, if I'm betting the draft, when that market comes out, you know, if I'm seeing Langford at like four to one to go number
0: one, I'm hitting that.
1: I think yeah, all three I mean, are a real
0: possibility, Noah. It, it's not a bad view at all, and the Pirates are winning right now. And uh, mm-hmm. they are like one of my teams in the MLB. I'm a fan of both Detroit and Pittsburgh, and both of them are down in the dumps. But, I mean, a, a Lankford would speed up uh, the rebuild more than a Max Clark would. Uh, he would get there in a year or two, whereas Clark would take three or four. Um, and right now mm-hmm. this Pirates team looks promising for at least twenty twenty five. So um before we jump into some of the games uh let me tell you about bird dogs because man do these shorts just make you look good they look like khaki shorts but they're stretchy they're designed to fit slimmer around the thigh and give you uh truly a sculpted look bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as lululemon but they fit much better and they're just like regular shorts regular shorts are made of stiff restricting cotton bird dogs they fixed that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki shorts but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool <laughs> and dry all dry all day long now i've said it all the time on this show uh i'm still a little bit younger i'm going to grad parties uh every other weekend in the summer um and i'm also an avid golfer so go play golf for a couple of hours uh you're sweating in the sun and hey i just need to show face at this grab party uh, these things won't smell if you don't have time to go back to the place change a little bit uh and put on a new pair of shorts so go to birddogs.com pool and enter promo code pool for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com pool for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Now, uh, we, we get a, a couple of live viewers here. I mean, it's midnight Eastern, but we got a pretty good question here from GBO Farms. Uh, <laughs> volunteers fan here. He goes, how do you like your red sauce, Johnny, with garlic? All right.
1: First of all, we don't call it red sauce. The Italians call it madenade, but, um, Uh Yeah, man. You, so I, I don't, I'm not, it's weird. I don't like chunks of garlic in anything. So garlic okay. obviously gives you the flavor. I like my garlic sliced thin. Like if you saw Goodfellas, like how he slices it, Paulie slices it thin in, in the can, right? And it liquefies and, and it, it's super thin and it almost just melts in the sauce. That that's,
0: that's how I like it. And I think that tastes really good. All right. Uh, note taken. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you before we started recapping the games, you're all decked out in the deep gear. You went down to Winston Salem, or should I say just the couch? Because it's not really Winston Salem. But uh, <laughs> dude, this team coming into Omaha, they look like they could beat anybody in the world. They've only led for two half innings. They they took the lead late in the bottom of the eighth in both games. They ended up winning. Manassi gets the save in both. But I mean, you've seen this team firsthand. Uh kind of what's your what's your take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons maybe before Omaha and what they've done in Omaha? It's it's so special, um, and I'm I'm so happy I got to so
1: I got to see it live. Uh, you know the last the last time at um at the couch in their own home stadium, and you know I was worried going into that series because Alabama was no pushover.
0: No, despite I don't think how so big the
1: line, despite how big the lines were or would have been because you know you couldn't bet on Bama yeah. games, which I thought was still ridiculous you know, I had, I, because I was a huge Tennessee guy, I am a big Tennessee guy. Like if if I have no financial stake, Tennessee's my team. Um, I have a little something on Tennessee this year, nothing crazy, nothing like what I have on wake. But you know, when I saw wake playing this team, I got, I got a little PTSD from last year with Tennessee playing Notre Dame. Yeah. But you know, to go in there, this team's different. This team is electric there, but, but they they play loose. They're not they're not like one of these tight teams. They're not tightening up in the big moment. Like they play loose. And this team, you know, to see firsthand how good their pitching is. Like when I the second game when they beat Alabama 22 5 with the closeout game, I was sitting behind home plate. Definitely worth the extra 65 bucks as opposed to being the bleachers, FYI. So hard on firsthand, strike on eleven guys. <laughs> I saw what the spin looked like. I mean, I saw the fastball and how he set it up, how he set up his pitches, pitch backwards, go slider, cutter, fastball. Like it was, it was unreal. And just, you know, the swagger this team has, dude, it, they're different. And I've been saying it all year. Like I've been on Wake Far since before the season started. And, you know, the fact is I just, I was so impressed all year with their versatility and their resiliency. Like it, people asked me, all year, especially like I've I've done so many podcasts in the last like ten days. Yeah, like why is Wake Forest? Isn't different? it
0: funny? You get the call when it comes College yeah. World Series time. Everybody and wants, everybody before. wants, you know, everybody <laughs> wants a piece of my shit this time of year. But um,
1: so the thing, the thing with them is, I was like, listen, it's not just their team. It's not the fact that they have the best pitching front to back. They're six, seven, eight arms deep. It's not yeah. they have a great lineup. They have guys that are going to be a first rounder this year, a top five pick next year, Nick Kurtz, even though he hasn't played like it. But this team is so versatile in the fact that despite the circumstances, they can win in multiple different ways. They can win that game 5-4 against Bama and and a nail biter and deliver in the top of the ninth with Menacee to close it down or Sullivan. Then they could come back and win 22-5. And then tonight they're down against an LSU team who has maybe the best offense in the country. Yep. Against a guy, a pitcher Ty Floyd, who, you know, he's good. He's good. I don't think he's great. I think he pitched way above his his, you know, see way above his, I guess, average. He played up today. He did. He did. I mean, I think he got so many so many breaks with those calls. This the umpire strike zones were, were brutal. <laughs> it was. But none, nonetheless, <laughs> he he delivered. Um, you know, he ran into trouble in that last inning, but, I mean, the fact is. You know they held one of the best offenses in the country to two runs. This is after they held an SEC caliber lineup in Stanford to two runs. Like their pitching has been off the charts, and really tonight it should have been one run. Adam Sisier is a total incompetent in left field. Like I can't stand the fact that he's got sunglasses on his head, but he won't put them on. Like, like awesome, it's the man. stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's Amateur just, baseball, it's idiotic. It's it's idiotic, but despite that, like. Wake Forest lineup's been terrible these these last two games, six runs. Like, and they're going against teams that really don't have great pitching. They don't have good bullpens. They're throwing their number two, number three guys who are like, okay, like maybe they hold you down for three innings next time through the order should be a different story. But, you know, the fact is they found a way in both games to grind it out. And that's yeah. what's so impressive. That's a team that like, if you're gonna win in Omaha, you have to be able to win like that. And given how close every game has been, like just the grit that they have, it's just, it's remarkable. And, you know, I got to see them firsthand and, you know, I'm just, I'm proud of this team. And I I think, I think it speaks for itself, man. It really does. Yeah.
0: So save kind of your larger base takes on the teams that are still alive. However, I always ask this question to Mm -hmm. guests on the show. What are you currently sweating futures wise? Uh, I just, I think a lot of people uh, who are listening to the show like to hear it. And they also, you know, they like to know that way they can gauge how much uh, you have riding on the team during your handicap as we talk about the games coming up.
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned, I wake far since the preseason. Um, I've been hitting them along the way, like when they were 15 to one. They're on DraftKings, they're 15 to 1 for over a month. And I kept telling everybody, like, dude, this is the wrong price. They should, I don't know the negligence that they just kept this number up for that long, hit it. Finally, after like a month, five weeks, it moved down to 10 to one. Same thing. Told told people the same thing. It's too big. Kept it up for another month. Hit it again. And I was like, dude, it's just it it, it's it's stupidity to have them up in that price range for that long. So for me, hitting them throughout the year. And honestly, I wish I put more on them.
0: Um, <laughs> That's what I do too. <laughs>
1: right. But, uh, yeah. no, I have a nice, you pair. always
0: think that this time of year when they're still alive, you know, but I won't, little...
1: I, I, I won't say the exact amount right now, just cause like, you know, I feel good not saying it until they're in the finals. Yeah. I don't you know, want to make you. sure they get there first, yeah. but me and my butt. And I convinced one of my, one of my close friends, the beginning of the year, Wake Forest is the team. And I got him hooked on Wake Forest and, you know, he bets a little bit more frivolous and a little bit more aggressive than I do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I got him on it and then we just started riding week together. Um, and actually me and him went down to Winston-Salem together, watched the two okay. games. And then I, I went to his house the last two games, Stanford and tonight. So I just got back from his house. Gotcha. Um, so they have been four and oh, when we watched, so now I have to drive back down and go watch the game with him on Wednesday before he leaves for Italy. So hopefully we get that win and we go right to the finals and then we right. have every pitcher at our disposal, but, between the two of us, we have we have about sixty
0: k riding on us. All right, man, I I think that's huge. You also have another big play, correct? It's not just Wake. Yeah, so I have Oral Roberts. I took Oral Roberts pre tournament five hundred to one because I was you, like, this is like not a big thing here. I mean, that's a five hundred to one ticket on a final sixteen. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, it's 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 cool. I, I thought the fact that I was like, listen, they need to get out of their region. If they got out of the region, I felt good about them playing. What I thought was going to be Vanderbilt in the supers. Yeah, but the thing, or Roberts, is I was like, dude, they have pitching, they have a lot of arms. Their offense is crazy talented. They're one of the few teams in the country that's like close to 100 home runs and 100 stolen bases. Like they're just so gritty. They don't they they just like refuse to die. They're like cockroaches. Like you just you, you can't put them away. And yeah. honestly, they were lucky last night. To, to Florida was lucky the other night or last night to, to, to um, eliminate
0: yeah. or
1: Roberts didn't take advantage of so many chances. You know, I, I think the fact that Justin Quinn bases loaded bottom eight, Kate Fisher comes in, hits a screaming line drive to left field. Can't tie it up like that. That sucked. Um, but I honestly think Florida actually benefited the most from that whole pitching now yeah. because Brandon Neely was in, and he's their closer. Everyone's like, oh, he's an all-American closer. Like, bro, Neely's Neely's good. He's not that good. And Neely wasn't sharp. And what I like, what I liked about the matchup was Neely throws a lot of fastballs, and his fastball a lot of times can be flat. Now, Cade Fisher, I paid attention to a lot this year. He's the guy, the lefty, throws a little bit more on the on the on the breaking stuff. So I actually like the matchup with Neely better. I thought it benefited Florida, to be honest with you but you know, Oral Roberts was a team that I really liked and I thought they had a shot. and I'm like 500 to one for, for a team that's so undervalued and not really understood. So I, I just felt like, let me take a little shot on them and, you know, I'm hoping they can win against TCU and just force a two game series against Florida. And it is what it is, but I only had like 30 bucks in liability for them. So. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: I mean, either, either way, it's still a hell of a story and it's a great number. And I mean, it, it's, I mean, what we kind of preach, and I didn't uh, buy in to Oral Roberts early enough. Um, I kind of believed in them after the regional performance, and then against Oregon, I kind of pulled out a little bit and was hesitant going into the College World Series here. But they've been scrappy. I think that's the like the best way to put it because they just fight through the starting pitcher, and they get into the bullpen. And the mm-hmm. same thing happened against Florida. I mean, they wear their They wear their, weight, they wear their uh, wounds on Waldrop. They strike out 12 times the guy. But when they get in the bullpen, they cause some mayhem. Uh, mm-hmm. They had bases loaded, and the whole thing with the pitching change happened. And I think, like you mentioned, I think it was huge for Florida because now, uh, you know, Cade Fisher comes in to relieve. And the first time he appeared against – uh, Virginia, he gave up a, a couple of runs. It wasn't a great appearance. He was able to bounce right back, and a huge situation came up big. So I think that's huge for the kids' confidence. Before we kind of recap some of uh, Monday's games, let me tell you about – Underdog Fantasy, because Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to get to win over on Underdog and active in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, the first game of the day involved your Vols. They were down 4 nothing on Stanford and Quinn Matthews, and it was like, oh, shit, here we go again. And then <laughs> Quinn Matthews, he had about 50 pitches going into the fifth inning, and it was like, this guy has another 40-ish pitches if he wants to uh, come back later on in this tournament, maybe in the bracket final, or if he wants to go throw out 153 pitches again, he can do that, and he's got a four-run cushion here. But mm-hmm. the Vols – in that fourth inning they just hit after hit nothing big they just put runners on uh made quinn matthews pitch out of the stretch with I i think it's huge for just comfortability in the starting pitcher and this vols team was able to once again come from behind in an elimination game johnny what's your kind of viewpoint on this vols team right now so the
1: thing about the vols and you know i was i was a little worried coming into today because I'm like, or yeah, we got Dolly, we got Quinn Matthews. Like it's, it, this is probably the best pitching matchup of the entire uh, not only college world series, but probably the, the, the NCAA tournament. And the thing is, is, you know, Stanford, well, their bullpen's not good, but you know, I, I felt like they were going to ride Matthews as long as they could. even following fine, up 100, too. Yeah. Even following up 156 pitches. So the problem is, is Tennessee is very strikeout prone. And yep. Matthews is a guy who can tally up some Ks, tally up a lot of whiffs. Lefty, guy like Maui Ahuna has struggled a lot against lefties. And, you know, you're going against the best lefty in, in the country, in Quinn. And, you know, they got off to a good start. You know, they had – I think they had first and third one out. And, you know, Griffin Merritt hit a, what I thought was a sack fly. Alberto <laughs> Rios as a, a rifle, And, you know, they, they get out of that – on he gets out of that unscathed, but I think ultimately, and this is, this is everybody's approach, not just Tennessee's, but I I feel like in the college world series so far, we've seen all these offenses try to hit home runs. Everybody's trying to elevate and get that ball out of there. First of all, it's a very deep ballpark. Number one, and and the wind's playing a huge factor, but number two, like, yeah. And, but number two, like the most important thing in Omaha, except like on the offensive side is putting the ball in play. Strikeouts are the worst. You just put the ball in play. Guys can make errors. A, a base hit can sneak through. And I think, you know, once teams started adapting to that philosophy, and Tennessee was doing it, they did a great job of it in the fourth inning. You just start stacking up base hits, get base runners, create traffic, make them make a mistake. And, you know, when you have enough runners on base, you think eventually you're going to punch through. And, and mainly against a guy like Quinn. And I, I've mentioned this a lot this year. I, I got to credit my guy Matt Grisham, because, you know, he really brought it up to my attention more so when uh, Stanford was playing Arizona. I think the first time, and we, we we had a handicap on that. Yeah. How you get to Quinn Matthews, and the teams that have that have had success against him, are the teams that stack base hits. They just keep trying to put the ball in play, base hit after base hit. Now you might be like, oh well. Any pitcher can struggle on that. Yeah, but if you look at when Quinn Matthews is giving up a ton of hits, mainly against Arizona twice, those are the teams that get to him. Give up 10 hits today. So, like, that's got to be the approach. You can't try to elevate everything. Like, yeah, maybe you put the ball on the ground you try to leg one out or they boot a ground ball or, you know, base it up the middle. That's how you have to play against a guy like that, and I was happy they were able to make that adjustment. And, you know, can't say enough about Chase Burns, dude. Chase Burns is a dog top five, maybe top three pick next year. This stuff is even better this year than it was last year. Last year, he wasn't hitting 101, 102. He was topping out at 100. And, you know, he embraced that role. Tony Vitello changed Tennessee's trajectory in that Vanderbilt series when Andrew Lindsay became the Friday guy, to Ali Saturday, Beam Sunday, and they moved Burns to the bullpen, yeah. who not only was fantastic as a starter last year, but he was struggling this year and they, he needed a change. Now you got a guy who is a really a starter in a in a hybrid role, who if you need him to close out a game in the ninth, he can. Or if you need him to come in long relief today,
0: like you needed him to. Yeah.
1: Like this guy's good for a hundred pitches when he comes out.
0: His gas plays in the eighth or ninth when you want him, or he's already stretched out to go four, or five yeah. like he did today for you. There's
1: no closer that. There's no closer that's built to go 100 pitches and be effective. Yeah. Except for Chase Burns, and I, I just can't say enough about him because that was a that was a nails performance today. He kept Stanford's offense off the board for the final six innings of the game. <laughs> I mean, he allowed two hits. Yeah, no and that's a
0: very talented offensive over there. So. Yeah, and
1: and you know the thing is like Tennessee, in my opinion, they're right there with Wake pitching front to back. They really are. Yeah, I believe and so. I, you know, I, I said like from the jump, if Tennessee was to lose a one, obviously it's not ideal, but I don't think there's a, there's, I don't think there's a staff or a
0: team that's built to come back better yeah. than they are. Every every what? guest I've had on this week has said the exact same thing and I think it's true too. Go ahead. Cuz guess what? Even though you're going to get LSU tomorrow, you got Drew Beam on the mound. Yeah. Drew Beam Drew Beam
1: is not only the best Sunday guy in the nation, but he's probably going to be a first rounder next year. Like he Drew Beam is an ace on probably 99% of teams. Drew Beam's on, only not an ace on probably Wake Forest, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, and maybe Stanford, maybe like, that's it. And maybe Texas, maybe, but like, that's my point. How good he is. You're able to throw a guy like that. So now if Tennessee, so now Tennessee also has everybody available tomorrow, except for probably Burns and Dolly. Correct. Your whole, your whole bullpen, your, everybody is available. Man. So let's say Tennessee, I think Tennessee is going to win tomorrow. We haven't seen a line yet, but yeah, I think Tennessee, I think Tennessee is going to win tomorrow. They win tomorrow, and they have to play two against Wake. I mean, you're probably good to go with Andrew Lindsey on on the first game.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I mean, you let's, know, Tennessee Tennessee is built for this, and their offense is starting to deliver. Now, listen, I love Tennessee, but I don't want them to win this year. You know what I mean? So,
0: okay, yeah, but <laughs> I, you know, I understand it, what you have. Team right, that's, on this it.
1: team is this team is built. This yeah. team is built for this, and like their offense has been the problem. But, like, I, I was saying it over the weekend or before, before the um, College World Series started. If their offense could play anything like what they did in the final two games against Southern Miss,
0: they're going to be a real,
1: real problem.
0: And they showed it today in spurts. I mean, that fourth inning, I mean, they may have it. like, the Alberto Rios throw number two. <laughs> Honestly, if that's on the right side of the plate Mm -hmm. compared to the left, Zane Denton might be out of there and the inning's over. Instead, they put up four runs in that fifth. They come back in the seventh, put up two. um, And Stanford's pen really just struggled at throwing strikes. And that, that was kind of the book on them. The second game of the day. Wake Forest survives against LSU. They trailed for most of this game. And, honestly, it didn't look good from the offensive standpoint, but the pitching kept them in this game. You had Josh Hartle break the Wake Forest uh, all-time strikeouts in a single season um, today, and he had nine. But Ty Floyd had (laughs) ten against this Wake Forest lineup. And I I said it on yesterday's show about Virginia and how – Jake Geloff and Kyle Teal really didn't show up for this year's College World Series. Mm -hmm. Nick Kurtz has been pretty quiet for Wake Forest. And Brock Wilkin, he had a bomb in the game one. He had a hit here today with an RBI. That was a a big point. And they've only got two hits from that duo in the 3-4 spot here for Wake Forest as well.
1: Yeah, you know, your stars have to show up. You have to. I mean, these are two guys who are going to be first-rounders. Uh, I mean, Brock Wilkin had a big base hit. That yeah. that led to Wake tying it. So it was Clutch. I mean, he had three strikeouts on the day. Kurtz had two. Like, yeah. okay, he had two walks. Cool. But, like, what are we doing? And, like, the thing that pissed me off more about today in particular was they both struck out twice against Floyd. Like, Floyd Floyd is, is a guy who throws 75% fastballs. Yeah. Like – it, Mid-90s, shoot, too. It's, it's yeah. nothing too special. It's not it's not a 100. Like, okay, he got up there in 97 a couple times. Like, I know that's hard to hit. But the fact is, he doesn't throw a great changeup. He doesn't have a great slider. He lives off his fastball. And, like, okay, maybe, maybe you didn't recognize it the first time around. But, bro, like, make an adjustment. They're late on every fastball. And, like, I kept live tweeting it. I was like, dude, like, cheat on the fastball. Like, you <laughs> know he's probably going to throw it. Like, if you get caught on a slider, okay. But, like, they're late on every single heater. And I just, I'm really, I'm really
0: stumped on this Wake offense because against Stanford, they were early on the changeup, weren't recognizing the fastball. And here today, they were late on the fastball and they weren't swinging at the off speed. It was like, I don't know what's going on with this team. This is not the, the Deeks offense that I've seen all year. But, you know, who has been super hot this postseason? Danny Corona, another guy that stepped up big time today. Bennett Lee, I mean, role players stepping up, and that's what's helping this team out right now. I just, you know, I, I think,
1: you know, guys like Wilkin, guys like Kurtz, they're going to take a step back be like, okay, you know, we, we got to regroup. And, and it's not even the fact that they're not getting base hits. They're not putting the ball in play. Outside of Brock's big single. Outside of that, they're not putting the ball in play. Yeah. Single, that, putting, ball in play. Yeah. Like, what? You know, you can't strike out in Omaha. You can't. You have to put the ball in play. I'll take a – I mean, if he's going to hit like this, I'll take a sacrifice bunt to move the guy over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I just can't stand the strikeouts. We're not facing Skeens. We're not facing Dolly. I mean, Floyd's solid, but he's he's primarily a one-pitch guy. And, like, you know you're going to get it, and you're still late on it. And it's only 95. Like, it's not 100. It's a, that's a big difference at five miles an hour. So, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the wake strength was always their pitching. I mean, just, this is a classic example of pitching wins in Omaha Yeah. and they don't, they don't just have pitching. They have a lot of pitching.
0: They, they, they both, are super, uh, I mean, just loaded in the back end. They have plenty is, of arms. It's silly.
1: That's seven, eight arms deep. Yes. And like, I mean, imagine if they still had Teddy McGraw.
0: They have three starters in the in the bullpen right now, and they had Tenny McGraw, who is their starting pitcher number two in the preseason, who got hurt, and he would yeah. probably have been the ace on any other staff in the country as well. It's yeah. just crazy, man. It's just I think
1: honestly, back to what I was saying about Tennessee's offense trying to hit home runs early. Yeah, I think Wake was trying to do that. You get every single guy; who has got an uppercut swing for this launch angle crap. Like just put the ball in play.
0: Like, I agree, level, man.
1: Level out your swing. Right, level it out, yeah, and you'll, you'll put a barrel on it somewhere, and like that's what wins. it's hard to consistently hit home runs in Omaha, it just is like okay, maybe, maybe, maybe one day's your day, and you get, you get favorable wind, but like that's not gonna consistently get it done. You just gotta put the ball in play
0: and, and so and see where it goes from there. So, I'll end with this this Wake team, I don't think has played their best baseball at all, and I don't think really they close. consider that either. They need to – I mean, just like you've been harping on, put balls in play. The other thing is just cut the mistakes on defense. They've had one – I think it was one or two errors against Stanford. Again, here today, they had two outfield errors of all things. I mean, Tommy Hawk overruns a ball. Uh, it allows an extra base. Uh, Tommy White then scores in that inning. And then the other one was the sincere, uh, what are you doing? Um, it, like, I know that the sun is tough in left field with uh, – Charles Schwab Field, TD Ameritrade, whatever you want to call the park. Um, but I mean the sun kind of hangs over the overhang and it's a double decker stadium. Kids aren't used to that and when it comes off the bat, it's in the shade when it goes over the uh grandstand, it's now in the sun and you're getting blinded by the sun, but if you have the glasses on, you can't see it off the bat. So that's where struggles there uh, happen, but you know, just limit the mistakes on defense, put the ball in play more on offense, and I think this team is very, very hard to beat. Let's move on to Tuesday's games. The first game of the day at two p.m. Eastern, one Central, is TCU and Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts is the acting home team here against the Frogs. I'm going to project that Cam Brown starts this game for the Frogs. Uh, he's a it's officially TBA, but <clears throat> this season Brown is three and two. With a 5.50 ERA, 59 strikeouts, 37 walks in 52.1 innings, Cam Brown has a 6.18 ERA in his last three appearances, and he hasn't pitched in over two weeks. So uh, there's going to be a little bit of rust here for him. And behind Brown is a bullpen that has had its fair share of good moments, but also some bad this season. So I think that the three arms that we include in the handicap here are Garrett Wright, Luke Savage, and Cam, uh, and uh, Ben Abel. All three of them. Appeared in that game against Oral Roberts, and those are the only three relievers that TCU has used so far in the College World Series. It's a 3.60 ERA for Wright in four postseason appearances, 4.20 for Savage in five, and the big one here is the funky lefty and Ben Abel, who has a 071 ERA in his last 24.2 innings. That's just two runs allowed since May 1st. Um, and then on the Oral Roberts side, it's a pretty easy projection. Um, their third starter is still a go. It's Brooks Fowler. He's 9-1 and one on the season with a three twenty seven ERA, 74 strikeouts, 29 walks in 77 innings. Brooks Fowler, though, has a six sixteen ERA in his three postseason starts. And I think the strongest unit for this team is this bullpen. The Golden Eagles, they have a couple of quality pieces in the back end there, whether it's Evan Kowalski, Caleb Isaacs, Dalton Patton, Jacob Widener, or Cade Denton. This team. Uh, the thing is, though, is that TCU, they've already seen a couple of these guys from that first game, and they put up three runs in the last two innings on both Isaacs and Denton. And I always say that the guy who struggles the first time always makes the better adjustments mm-hmm. the next time that they face the team. Mm-hmm. I think that you're looking at a K Denton who's going to make some good adjustments here to face the mm-hmm. Frogs yeah. this next time out. I think that Oral Roberts... Uh, if they're ahead in in the first six innings, I think they win this game having already seen Ben Abelt once. So, yeah. Johnny, uh, the lines currently on this game on DraftKings, minus 155 TCU on the money line. Oral Roberts, plus 125, the total set at 12.5, with the under at minus 125, uh, minus one 1.5 on TCU's minus 105. Oral Roberts, minus 125 on the plus 1.5. How do you divvy up the two teams here? I mean, you know, they're, they're neck and neck. They both
1: have their strengths. And I think the fact that, like, if we're going to take Cam Brown, Cam Brown's another one of these guys. Like, he hasn't had a lot of success this year. He hasn't pitched uh, recently, as, as you <coughs> excuse me, as you alluded to. But this kid's
0: got a lot of good stuff. Yeah. This is a power arm. It's a talent. And, arm. you know. He came into the year as their top starting pitcher. Yeah. Well, second behind Vander High. Ryan True, but But, I mean, he's completely
1: cam cam Brown's camp. In terms of stuff, cam Brown's their best starter. Um, So the thing is, is like, we've seen a lot of these guys in Omaha, just like play, play their best. They've been at their best. So what worries me is if cam Brown's on, it could be tough to get to him. That's the one thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at cam Brown, he hasn't the last time he went more than four and a third innings was back on March 26th against Kansas. He's, he's only went five innings or more three times this year. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe, maybe he, he gives them a a good performance with everything on the line. Maybe. But like, you know, the TCU bullpen, even though it's had its moments, like I still don't trust it. Like, I don't think, I don't think they're that good. And, you know, TCU's strength is their offense, but like really the guy that's been doing most of the damages is Oh, persistent scumbag, Cole Fontenelle. That's,
0: <laughs> the, that's the guy. I'm like, that's the guy that you have to worry about right now. Hey, man, that's one of my highest scoring players on my fantasy team. Don't talk about my first baseman like that.
1: <laughs> no, but he, he's been really good. But, like, that's oh, yeah. the guy you have to worry about. And, like, obviously, Braden Taylor. Braden Taylor's he's a superstar. He's going a yep. first rounder. <laughs> I, I think, you know, if you're Brooks Fowler, the guy, the guy is five innings. Like he hasn't really given you more than five innings all year. So if if that's the case, you know, you need Fowler to go out there and give you five innings of two runs or less. That's all you I have think, to ask for. The bullpen
0: yeah. is behind him, is legit. Yes.
1: Five yeah, five innings, two runs or less. Keep it keep it close. Cause you know, the thing is like like you said, Fowler hasn't really been that good lately. He's had a yeah. tough postseason. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, the way I think Oral Roberts is just so tough. And like they live for the late innings. Like they, they, they want this, they want this game to, they want this game to be dirty going into like the eighth inning. You've got to make sure you're keeping this within two runs after five innings. Yeah. And you got to get Cam Brown out, get to the bullpen. And I think, you know, for Oral Roberts like against a guy like Cam Brown who, who has a lot of control issues, I'm not saying be passive, but I'm saying like be a little smarter, you know, w-
0: try and work the walk. Get, they already do run. a great job at working yeah, counts. Exactly, get the starting pitcher keep, out of
1: the game. Keep doing that, you know. Put the ball in play. Yeah. Don't try to be hitting home runs. Just you know, they can hit home runs, but that 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 doesn't have to be that way. They they're a team that still bats over 320. they They're one of the best hitting teams in the country. So like, just put the ball in play. You guys steal bases. You guys do all the little things right. I, I mean, I, I personally think that's it. I, I mean, I'm not saying this because I have Cinderella oral, but I do think. <laughs> Ora Roberts is is the better team. I mean, Ora Roberts was inches away from beating Florida with Hurston Walter on the mound. So, I, I mean, I think Ora Roberts gets this one done. I like them on the money line. The fact that they're getting plus one thirty nearly like that's another indictment on how the book sees this. Like the book opened them as the underdog again. Like they've been doing this all series. Or, or I mean. They they haven't really respected or Roberts.
0: There's a little bit more respect now because TCU was at minus one seventy five in that first game, and they went up. They were like they closed at minus one ninety. So I, I think that's telling that you're mentioning it here <laughs> a, I mean, a little bit. But like, why is why is Or Roberts, who has a pitching advantage,
1: not not favored? Yeah, like I, you know I, I don't really understand that. Uh, maybe they take into account that you know Or Roberts, by and large, got lucky to come away with that win. A a huge three run home run, like really in the top of the ninth. Yeah, I think,
0: I think a common common viewpoint on this game is that, like, I think people are going to come in and think that TCU is going to have it out for Oral Roberts after uh, they have a bad taste in their mouth against ORU. But I I really think that if this thing's close, I trust Oral Roberts bullpen more than I do TCU. And that's coming from a guy who has a future on the Frogs at 100 to 1.
1: I think I think uh, honestly, or Roberts on the money line. I like them plus one and a half. I mean, we've seen every game be close. You know, laying minus one twenty, 120, minus one twenty five for for a run for an, uh, an extra run. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's pretty good. And yep. you know, the fact is, if they're if they're down one, if they're down one run in the bottom of the ninth,
0: like you're, you look you're looking good. Hey, what do we say, Johnny? I I like I like world any any way it comes. So give me that money line. Give me the (laughs) plus one and a half. I I even I even think that the the over is in play here. It it all depends on the win because I mean, as we saw today in that Wake Forest LSU game, it just completely killed any shot that we had. And an over, a lot of the fly balls were dead um, because I mean, I I like the under. You like, like the under on 12 and a half? I'm not gonna play it. I'm not gonna, no, I'm I'm not not playing gonna put it, it out of my job.
1: card. But if I leaned aside, I, I have to go under. Okay. Because we talked about how good their pitching is. I think Denton's gonna be back for vengeance. Like, yeah, he, he got away with it, but yeah. I I think dude, he was he was frozen with fear. Like he yeah. was just he, he my, was not
0: good at all. My only viewpoint is I think that both starting pitchers are vulnerable, <laughs> but I think that uh, we we have an uh an okay chance if like this thing's four, four after six or whatever you have. Eight like let, there Let's there. say for instance, let's chance. say for
1: instance, it's three, three after five and both starters are out. We have six runs left. You
0: yeah. know, it's a bullpen that Orr Roberts has. I, I think. It's Omar. I know, I know what we're getting into with a, with a, a total, like uh, just for the show, I, I give out picks on every, every line. I would say that's my third confident pick on this game. Um, yeah, so we're split on the total here. One more thing I wanted to add on this game: the big mm-hmm. inning against Florida late in the game. It was started by a Jonah Cox single. Can we get this guy to start rolling again? I mean, this team—they're dangerous when I mean they're winning games without their best player even in the stat box currently. Yeah,
1: I mean Cox <laughs> has been. I mean, that, add, add another superstar to the list. That's just not been even close to what he needs to be like. It's Jonah weird. Cox had a single earlier in the game when he got picked off. Yep. Like, he finally gets a hit and he gets picked off. Like, and they were down, they were down like four runs, five runs. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like your run doesn't matter. You're not running. You're
0: not stealing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, I do think Oral Roberts is going to win this game. And and I'll tell you another thing. Because they're going to see Caglione. If yep. they, when, when Oral Roberts wins, they're yeah, going to see cags wins,
0: They're seeing Cags.
1: They're going to see Cags. That is a very, very winnable game. So if Oral Roberts can win this game, I feel pretty good about them taking the first game from Florida against Cags. And then I'd imagine they, they see Sproat and then guess what? Even if Oral Roberts takes them the distance and they lose knock wood <laughs> chances are Sproat's going to go in that final game. Yeah. And then what does that mean? That means he's not pitching game one. You're going to go Waldrop. Now, now they're a little, a little out of it. Now, now they're a little out of it. Like are talking about of the
0: finals stuff. against Wake Forest or somebody on the other side yes. of Tennessee? Yes,
1: which which would be very good. It takes them out of their element. <laughs> it's beneficial. So to now Vig's so future. I mean, listen, Waldrop's, Waldrop's been dialed in. And and just to bring back a draft point, I, I've said it for the last, like, three weeks. I don't think there's been a, a player
0: that's boosted his stock I, more than Waldrop. I asked you about the stock question, and then you took it I, you all know, the way
1: on the top three. Yeah, so. I, yeah. you know what? I, I bypassed that one. I, I think <laughs> Waldrop is... I think Waldrips improved his stock more than anybody. He was a guy who was mid twenties. Now yeah. he's probably
0: going to be low teens at worst, maybe flirting with top ten. Yeah, not quite the Kate Kate Horton rise from last year, but I mean, yeah. still a, a good rise. And I mean, top top twelve pick probably in my eyes. Well, um, he was already going to be a first rounder regardless, right? So yeah, one hundred percent. Second and last game here today uh, for Tuesday. We currently, I'm refreshing the book right now. No, we're not going to we're not going to get a line until probably tomorrow morning because I've. They're, they're, I'm they a need night owl. Idea of
1: who's going to start?
0: No, I, I they've laid lines without knowing before. I'm a night owl, and usually they pop up around two or three a.m. Eastern. Um, for LSU, Jay Johnson, he was pretty stubborn about the scenario when answering a question about who would pitch uh, Tuesday <coughs> against Tennessee. He said that he has nine guys available and he said that he's going to choose one guy. He's going to pitch until he can't. And then he'll go to the next guy and then the next guy. So I, for, for my sake and our handicapping sake, I hope that LSU gets bounced that way. We don't have to deal with this again because it's, it's Skeens, it's Floyd. And then who knows for the other two games in the rotation. Yeah. Um, so honestly, just get him out of here. Um, but I mean that halfheartedly They're I mean a great offense and, uh, plenty of stars yeah, get him out get him out <laughs> exactly so we know it's a tough situation jay John- Jay Johnson doesn't give a shit he doesn't have to give a shit about what I think he should do here but here's what I do I go with a guy that has pitched on the big stage in Omaha before and that comes down to two candidates here for me it's Christian Little who has been uh in in 21 20- 2021 with Vanderbilt he pitched there he started two games Uh, He didn't pitch into the fourth inning in either. Stanford scored four runs in three innings, and Mississippi State put up five runs in two innings in the College World Series final. Then the other candidate here, I think, is Riley Cooper, who started that regional final against Oregon State. He pitched 3.2, allowing two runs. He also already has an appearance in the College World Series this year against Tennessee. He got a pivotal four outs, um, getting two strikeouts, giving the Tigers the win there. Uh, He also came in in 2021 with jay johnson at arizona so i think cooper he has johnson's trust here and he's pitched better than little this season i think riley cooper starts this game he has riley cooper has a four uh, sorry riley cooper has a 146 era in his four postseason appearances that's 15 strikeouts in 12.1 innings Um, and then i think the easiest projection of the day we've already mentioned it earlier it's drew beam for tennessee He's nine and four this season with a three seventy eight ERA, seventy nine strikeouts, twenty one walks, and seventy eight point two innings. Drew Beam has a one fifty ERA in his three postseason starts, and Beam did face LSU earlier this season. He didn't pitch very deep. He allowed eight hits and in four innings, but he only surrendered just one run. Uh, the bullpen edge also goes to Tennessee here. They used Chase Burns for seventy three pitches, so we won't see him or Dolander, but there's still some absolute dudes in this arm barn. And in specific, you have Seth Halverson, who appeared in against LSU in the first game, Xander Sechrist, uh A.J. Russell, Camden Sewell, and Aaron Combs, all who have thrown at least 20 innings this season with an ERA sub-415. Johnny, uh, we don't have any lines out. So my first thing, lead it off with how you would expect the lines to come out and then go into how you're handicapping the game. I mean, I personally would make Tennessee – minus 150 to start <laughs> I, would,
1: I would make I'd make the line similar to what it was on the opening for wake LSU I that's how I would make it okay and I think I think most likely it'll be somewhere in that ballpark but just based on how much they love LSU yeah I was thinking around me. like minus
0: 125
1: that was something that I would I, I think that they'll probably do that. Because given they obviously they're gonna know that Tennessee has the edge in pitching, especially starting pitching.
0: Yeah, but they love LSU. I
1: and think like the, LSU, I think a lot LSU, of people, people
0: I think a lot of people like LSU and they've taken a lot of money throughout the year.
1: Like LSU took eighty percent of the handle in tonight's yep. game. Crazy. I mean, against Wake Forest, and like a lot of it is people betting blindly because they love LSU or because they like the SEC because. They, they like the idea of Skeens and Cruz, even though Skeens wasn't throwing. Like They don't understand how bad their bullpen can be. So that's where I would go. And I and just to kind of touch on your point, I don't think Christian Little is going to throw, no. at least to start. Neither do I. He, he <laughs> I don't think he starting anyway. He hasn't pitched in a month. May 24th, I believe. May 20th, I believe. May 20th, check. okay. Let me check. May 20th at Georgia that okay. was the last time he threw. So the fact that this kid hasn't even thrown – leads me to believe he's probably not going to throw unless they get into trouble and they get into a dire situation where they need him. Like Christian little stuff is really good. This kid was a stud at Vanderbilt last year. Yeah. I don't really know what happened this year. I, neither really, do I. I don't really know. Cause his stuff is, his stuff is gross. Um, I think honestly, Riley Cooper, that was my first guess because Riley Cooper is a guy who has started. He was actually the Saturday guy to open up the season. He's, he doesn't have great stuff. He's got a, Really good slider, but he's just like—he's got like the attitude. He's—he's the—he's yeah. the confident one. He's a guy that's like he's gonna go out there and compete, and like you know he's kind of been their most reliable arm. So I feel like they'll probably go Cooper to start and just see what they can get out of him.
0: Yeah, like at, at the Eat first time of trouble, innings—that's what he's yeah, been able exactly. to do mostly. I feel like Cooper's
1: just gonna be an opener, and they're just yeah. gonna see what they can get. And like at the first time of trouble, they might hook him. But like now, remember something. Thatcher Hurd's done. He's not yep. going. Thatcher Hurd's like 60 pitches. You have to check my math on that. Skeen's obviously is not going to go. Then really you're looking at Cooper, Ackenhausen, Um, I, I mean, I'm missing a couple other guys here. Like I don't think Blake Money's going to get in. Uh, Little's a guy I just – I don't foresee him getting a lot of work. I'm like this is, this is the perfect example of where like Garrett Edwards and Chase Shores would be huge for LSU two guys that have high profile stuff. T Shores is like a guy that's on the list to be a first rounder in 2025. But the fact that they don't have him as big. I
0: just I, I don't
1: really see where it's going to go for LSU for, with this pitching. I just I yeah, agree I go, with you.
0: And they I, threw some really they threw don't Thatcher heard for 65. Was that your guess off the top six, of your head? 60 was 60 was my guess. 60? But like good. if Drew B like if Tennessee
1: if Tennessee can, can get out to like a two or three nothing lead And they have Drew Beam on the mound. I'm feeling really good from Tennessee. Yeah. If they can get that early lead, put the pressure on the Tigers. Because, like, bro, Beam in his last three starts, six innings, one run, six innings, two runs, ten strikeouts. Six shutout innings against Southern Miss, seven strikeouts, seven hits, one walk. Like, this, this kid has been dotting. And against LSU last time, four innings, eight hits, Six, six runs, but only one earned. He did have the four walks. Like he wasn't, he wasn't sharp against LSU last time. But I mean, then again, like beam really wasn't beam. Wasn't really pitching that well to that point. Like he he was in a little bit of a struggle. Um, But I I don't know, dude. I just, I think this is just so heavily in favor of Tennessee with this pitching. And if they could stake stake beam early to a couple runs, I, I think it's a real uphill battle. I really do, but like for instance, if let's say LSU gets up two or three nothing after three innings, yeah, dude, I'd, I'd look for that live Tennessee, kind of like today. Yep, yeah. look for that because I that I was an I'm
0: awesome sure. middle.
1: <laughs> it was. I think the Vols are going to win this game. I really do. I mean, they're, they're they're hot right now, and they're they just they have the juju, and they're not afraid of LSU. Yeah. A lot of teams are afraid of them. Tennessee's not. They're, if, they're, if they're ready wants they're this willing to go toe-to-toe with, with yeah. the Tigers. So, I, I just, that's my opinion. I, 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 think, I think Tennessee is the side
0: here, and I'd probably play this out to, like, minus 160. I agree with you, man. I So you went a lot of the pitching route. My handicap usually is on the pitching. However, today I think it's more on the mentality. You know, Tennessee, they had their backs up against the wall quite a few times this season. Once during the regular season where they are just like, holy shit, we need to wake up right now. And a couple of times in this postseason, they've already won three elimination games. They came back in all three of them. And, I mean, the biggest struggle this season for LSU was to overcome a back-to-back series loss against Auburn and Mississippi State. Um, These two teams passed to get here have just been – really different. So different. You can't, you can't compare the two. And when you talk about perseverance, we know that this Vols team has it. And it's a question for LSU. Like when we, when we get to this point, you just got to poke little holes into these teams, whether like you're, they're going to be able to do it. Cause all of these teams, they've defeated the format to get here. I think all of them are capable of winning it all. Um, they, they won the regional format, double elimination pool play. They won the best of three series in the super regional. That's what you need to do to win the college world series. Every team's done it, but LSU hasn't faced elimination yet. That's the one hole that you can poke in this resume. And I think an an even bigger question you hit it, you you actually hammered it (coughs) home is you you don't know who's going to get the outs for this Tigers team. So I think that Tennessee's the play here. And I I I like that you brought up that point. Tennessee's had their backs against the
1: wall all year. This is a team that like you have to look at last year. Last year they had all the expectations and a target on their back. They were fifty six wins. Yeah, back to back 50 win seasons. They were they were probably to nine
0: some some yeah, reason rings. They, a they were
1: pro, no joke. They were probably the best college baseball team ever, ever, and they didn't win. It was a huge disappointment, and like they got so close. They they lost to a very experienced Notre Dame team with a lot of pitching, and like you know, it is what it is. But they got gutted in the draft mainly on offense this year. Yep, and
0: they had nine new starters. On the offensive exactly. side of
1: the and like the thing was you know a lot of people including myself thought that they would kind of pick up where they left off because the pitching was the same but then like you know the pitching struggled early and the hitting was was terrible like it just it w- was not good and it was to the point where at one point before that Vanderbilt series we thought they might not even make the tournament like it was yeah. a real possibility this is a team that unlike their powerhouse last year they're
0: battle tested. Yep.
1: They they and they have the scars. They are so resilient. They've showed so much fight this year. That is one big difference between their team last year and this year. Backs up against the wall all year. They've been here before. They know how to handle it. LSU hasn't faced really any adversity this year. Yep. Like if we're being real, they haven't faced any adversity.
0: The only like, adversity was self proposed like yes they lacked the pitching and they lost a couple of series in a row everybody started questioning it that's that was on them they weren't losing games because other teams were better than them at one point of the season you know it was their own issue and it's still it's still present right now and they, they and like lsu and tennessee last year
1: are similar in that regard for the most part they breezed through the season i think lsu had two series losses and like you know they kind of just like They they probably took it too casually against Auburn. They uh,
0: they had two two series losses and then a split with South Carolina.
1: Yeah. So, like, you know, they probably took it too lightly, and that that was it. But, like, they haven't haven't had their backs against the wall. So, I think it's really a good point that you make here. Like, who's going to show up? And, like, now they really have to dig deep. Like, this was the whole primary concern and the reason why I didn't believe in LSU this year. Had nothing to do with their offense. Their offense is elite. Paul Skeens is a dog. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Floyd it, Floyd can be good. Like, he's he's a mixed bag. But, like, when he pitched like he did today, like, you know, it's tough. But then the whole question is after that. Like, mm-hmm. they have a lot of big arms, but they don't have a lot of great pitchers after that. And, yeah. like, that, that's been the whole concern. That's like, LSU and Florida are very, very similar in that regard. And I think, you know, obviously LSU – unlike Florida had a much tougher route to get to the finals. Like it, it's yeah, a much sure. more difficult path, but I, I think the feeling is still the same. It's just like, they don't have a guy they could turn to. Like if they didn't throw Thatcher Hurt today, I would imagine Thatcher Hurd would have been the guy that got the ball tomorrow. But you know, it, it, you, you burn them because you know,
0: you're playing that as a must win because yep. it almost is. And, that, that was exactly what I tweeted. Somebody tweeted at me today, like, why would you use Thatcher? And I was like, you know what? It might have been the better move for this team long term. And it just didn't, it just, work, it out. didn't work out. Nope. It, they did the right thing. Like you, nope. herd,
1: herd is their move. If, the
0: if you use herd there, then you get the day off. Then you then you have this day to figure out what whatever the fuck that you're gonna do in a regional final where you have a loss to give. Then you can throw Paul Skeens in that second game when he is on MLB rest, yeah. four days rest, and he gets you that win. Now you go in the three-game series in the finals and you do whatever you can to get yeah. to that game three where Paul Skeens then throws on short rest. That's That was the whole thing that you hope to have been able to do. Yeah. Now you get got two games to try to figure out whatever you're going to do on the pitching side of things.
1: And the the big thing here,
0: I imagine they're going to burn a couple guys.
1: Tomorrow. So, like, what I mean by that is let's say they win, let's say they win tomorrow. Cooper's probably gonna get burned. They're probably gonna burn Cooper. They might burn Gidry. Like he's been their
0: second reliable guy in the tournament.
1: Like he Gidry's almost Gidry's like low-key been the guy that like they've turned to in a lot of high pressure. Him and him and Heard in the bullpen for a lot of a lot of this year have been the guys that they've turned to. In the key moments, the
0: high pressure moments, late in game, and Gidry so, came in for that one pitch and gave up a bomb to Tennessee. Yeah. So let's <laughs>
1: let's say let's say you bring those two in and you and they burn them and they win. Now they don't like, have them for the next day. Now, now you really don't have day. anybody. Yeah. Like Hurt – I mean Hurt would probably have to start. Like you know even that like Hurt's coming off sixty five pitches in two days. Like I don't even you know what I mean. Like yeah. Now they're now they're in real trouble because. All their arms are, are cooked. Like I don't think they're gonna throw skeins. Maybe you do, but he th- what he throw? One hundred and twenty
0: pitches. Yeah, like, something over a hundred. Last night. So I mean, he's he he's not coming in. There's no way. Yeah, I just you know the pitching not on three days. The pitching can deplete
1: so fast. Like especially if you lose a game, it, it can really deplete quickly. That's why, that's, like, that's the problem.
0: They, they had a Charmin soft draw in the NCAA tournament where they didn't lose a game. They weren't tested at all. This pitching staff wasn't challenged. <coughs> and if they had been in the regional, I mean, this team may not have even gotten here because the pitching is just that much of a question mark. So yeah, uh, I, I think it's one, the draw, but two Johnson knows what he's doing. He's been in Omaha multiple times. Uh, he's going to figure something out. And uh, you know he's been stubborn about who he's gonna he's gonna throw. Honestly, maybe he doesn't even know who he's gonna throw. I think Cooper's the the choice there, Johnny. Before we sign off, anything that you want to tell uh, the listeners of the show live here? We've had over twenty five tune in, and it's now past one a.m. Eastern. Um, and then also those that are downloading the pod.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, listen, un- understand something: college baseball is uh it's a sport of underdogs, like especially this time of year. Like a lot of underdogs win, and like that's throughout the year. But I mean, it still carries over. That's why a team like Oral Roberts, I think, has what it takes to to fight another day after tomorrow. So keep that in mind. And you know, for a live betting perspective, if a team gets down like four runs, and you could take them live at like plus three and a half, just look at the sample size of what we got. In. Yep. Every game has been. Every game has been one run except for the Tennessee game. And, like, that game was going to be two runs. But, like, Braden Jobert hit, like, a, a late home run to, like, kind of ice it. Every single one of these games has been close. So if you find yourself in a position where you can take an underdog at plus three and a half, you got to do it. 100, uh, 100%. Even, Great point there. Even even if, like, Tennessee gets up four or five nothing tomorrow and you can get LSU a plus four and a half.
0: Their offense is good enough to make it a game.
1: Easy hit easy hit. So like there's opportunities there to make money. And uh, you know, if, if, if you want to take a little taste and, and get paid,
0: I think, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, man. I mean, and I'm sure that you'll tweet it out. If you do jump on something, you can follow Johnny V on Twitter at underscore Johnny with an H double N Y V TV, Johnny V T V with an underscore in front of it. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Johnny. Um, You can follow me on Twitter, the word 70, the number seven NB Um, also the college football experience. Colby is doing 133 team previews here in the preseason Uh, absolute grind. Go check those out. Also, he just started the FCS college football experience Uh, first show came out uh, literally on Monday night. Um, And then we have so many great things going on at SGPN. A lot of people just like me covering their niche sport on their own podcast. I encourage you to check those guys out. And also tomorrow night I will be on the main show, the Sports Gambling Podcast, uh, pretty much probably at this time on their show on their YouTube channel. And then I'll come over here on the YouTube channel here. I'll do a solo show, or if Colby wants to join me, uh, we'll do a show around like midnight, uh, 1230 a.m. Uh, time for the Eastern folks. So – Thank you all for joining me. You've been experiencing the better side of college baseball with the college baseball experience. Adios, amigos.